Yep, we're connected. Music is on its way. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no Mr. Alvin Lee and company issuing us into another two hours together here at the Radio Ranch. Let me get this volume down so it doesn't bite me at the end here. And uh, Roger Sales, your host, uh, day, another day older and not as deep in debt. So there you go. Thank you, Tennessee Ernie. Uh, here we are on the Eurofolk radio stream, and you might be listening on the podcast. We might even have you here on the Jitsi board, as we do a few folks here this morning. And for a couple hours, we want to discuss any of the little little nuances that uh, may stand in the way of you and gathering and getting your freedom from these frigging murdering, lying, thieving, pedophile, blood-drinking, slaving Zionist bastards, because that's who they are. And that's what we try and do is get you away from all that. A ting, there went a ting there, Lisa, so you got noticed. Uh, yeah, journeyman Jack raised his hand. Oh, did he? Well, Jack, come on, man. Well, Jack's sick. He's still recuperating. He's been a little bit under the weather, proverbial, and uh, some kind of a... We were speculating on last night because he didn't even get to come to our dinner. Uh, we had a nice dinner last night at uh, celebrate my cumpleaños, complete and years and uh, seventy four of them. I'm embarking on that last one up to the three quarter mark, in pretty darn good shape for somebody my age. I'm very fortunate. I got my mother's physiology. She's ninety four and still going like the ever ready battery. Okay, except for, for her eyes, she's in pretty darn good shape for that age. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, I will follow her along there. We'll see. I'd love to have twenty, twenty five more years of aggravating these slaving son of a bitches. Uh, maybe we can even make some concerted uh, concerted moves in a forward direction. And <laughs> excuse me, we're getting to the point where that is becoming more and more feasible as their agenda and exposure accelerates on the other side. I mean, it's just everything they're doing. It's just coming to light and coming back and biting them. Uh, the latest deal some of you have heard is the New York mayor, uh, the, uh, probably that stupid-ass hodel governor he got up there, Paul. But the New York City mayor and the D.C. mayor, Bowser, Bowser's her name? Bowser. That's what, the, that's what that witch in Chicago ought to be named, Bowser. She looks like a friggin' dog. Uh, so anyway, they're complaining because so many illegal immigrants are fedding, uh, flooding their cities and uh, causing them such an expense, and they just don't like it all of a sudden. Uh, but one of the good things I guess Abbott's done out there with you guys, Jeff, is start putting them on buses and busing their asses to D.C. It's uh, exacerbated this a little bit, and they're all freaked out. More hypocrisy, more exposure, more crap. Every vector they're losing. Can you imagine if this continues? And they're desperately trying to overcome those Supreme Court decisions on the e- on the uh, a- a- uh, federal agency side. Recently, one out of the Fifth Circuit and the big one out of the Supreme Court on the EPA, and it's having all kinds of repercussions. I heard just heard uh, yesterday, Owen had uh, 
my man, who I really, I tell you, the more I hear and watch this guy, the more I like him, is Robert Barnes. And uh, he had him on for an hour talking about all this stuff and the cases and this, that, and the other. And uh, hey, if you didn't see that yesterday, I think it's in the second hour of Owen. It's worth watching. Uh, Barnes is a sharp cookie. Man, we're lucky to have him on our side. And uh, he said that there's already just tons of lawsuits around the country being filed against agencies in the repercussions of this Supreme Court decision against the EPA. So uh, they're getting eat up. That's why they pulled out the emergency powers that they didn't pull out, but threatened to pull out and announce they were pulling out, but they never pulled them out. And so in case you missed it yesterday, Mr. Biden on a dirty beach in Bel- Delaware talking about climate change crap, uh, it, it told the people that he's got cancer. So now we don't know if he's a, ga- a gaff or he's got cancer. And uh, it just this whole thing is blowing up on him. That's what's happening. Okay, now, can you imagine if this continues down a little bit and it gets more exacerbated and all of a sudden we hit one of these big platforms and millions of these things start coming into them? Okay, you going to tell me you don't think it's going to affect them? Anybody got that opinion? Please step forward and voice your side. I want to hear it. This is a powerful weapon against these guys. It's been the best kept secret in the Patriot community for so damn many years, but finally we're we're starting to overcome that. And uh, of course, as I announced yesterday, I'll be on uh, uh, be on uh, Michael Herzog's show next Tuesday on RBN then in the drive time slot. So uh, we'll get more people. I, it's funny we were Michael and I were exchanging uh, messages. Of course, I've never spoken with him, and. Uh, he said something about RBN, and I know all the crew, and this, that, and the other. And I, I wrote him back, and I said, Would, are you aware I've had Ralph's spot for like four four or five months now? He didn't even know it, see? And so uh, that should be a good show. I'm looking forward to Michael. Any of y'all listen to him regularly? I know Steve, uh, Samuel does. Nobody? Okay, well, I, I don't know whether that's a good sign or not. <laughs> anyway. He listens to RBN nonstop. Who, who, what do do what jeff oh that's my aunt oh your aunt does okay yeah, well all the time. i hear i hear good things about michael so i'm anxious to talk with him he knows a little bit about our stuff and i think the first person that put a bug in his ear was tom d so i guess that's a good step forward he told me he'd talk to tom about this tom had been telling him to get me on for a while and then i guess samuel and maybe a couple of the other listeners kind of cattle prodded him a little bit and that caused the email so we'll see about that next week still working on uh you know i guess my ideal ones for the next step is uh, uh either like an sgt report or or mike adams and i'm sure those will come it's just a matter of when uh and uh, you know there may be a case here to not jump into one of these super big platforms because it'll overwhelm us i don't know if that's a valid point or not but uh, that's what some people have voiced to me. So uh, we'll see. You know, baby step at a time, one day at a time. Here we take it at the Radio Ranch, one person at a time. We free, and we all get stronger, and everybody gets talking to people, and we start getting exponential growth, and that's kind of where we are. Okay? So uh, we had a couple of really uh, good new uh, students yesterday. I know Jamie's not new, but she was around, and we had Carol calling in for Michigan the first time, and uh, we may have had another first timer or two yesterday. Anybody that's new on here that wanted to chime in, say something, ask a question, make an observation? Wish me happy birthday belatedly. Any of that? 
I guess that answers my question. So, um, anyway, good decision About yesterday. Non-newbie. A non-newbie, that's Ken. It's either Ken or John, and I'm guessing it's Ken because we had not seen John in a while. Yes, sir. Well, a couple of issues. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Michael's son is the one that runs the SeedArmory.com, which has the non-GMO heirloom seeds, which um, I've pushed before. Uh, that's where I got mine from. And then um, also I was wondering if I wanted to try to get you on a local AM radio station here, um, how would I go about doing that with you just have them contact you via email or yeah, well that'll work or you can you contact them yeah we could do that ken either way um uh, it, it usually they've got a phone line so i got skype connections back there via phone lines or we could do it digitally they probably got those capabilities <laughs> yeah just uh, uh have them shoot me an email okay just wanted to check with okay. you before i tried to uh get that going yeah, you know, one bite at a time. I've never turned down people, uh, um, and uh, even as we've gotten a little bit bigger, I can remember in the old days, Ken, and when I didn't know all this stuff, I only knew the back end of it. I only knew the tax side of it, and I'd give a meeting every Wednesday night, and it was across town from me. I lived over in the northwest side of Atlanta, and the office that we had available was on the northeast side over at a, a very infamous part of Atlanta that those of you familiar with it will know exactly what i'm talking about that they call spaghetti junction that's where a couple of these really huge interstates meet and it was right there by that and i'd drive over there and take me 30 minutes to get over there all the expense and everything and i'd get over there and i mean sometimes nobody would show up i'd have to get in the car load everything back up and drive 30 minutes back home uh one time i remember one guy showed up and i sat there and gave that one guy a three-hour presentation Okay, so I try not to turn away from those. And the reason is you never know who you're talking to. And even more importantly, you never know who they know. Okay, it's the old three click rule. Have you heard that, Ken, out of the CIA, the three click rule? Um, actually, it doesn't ring a bell. Well, the CIA came up with a thing about 15, 20 years ago that within three clicks of a mouse, you can get to anybody in the world. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so you never know who somebody knows, all right? And, I mean, one of you guys listening may be Joe Rogan's, you know, drinking buddy. Hell, I don't know, you know. I just know that I'm here. The only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. The more people we get protecting and in their liberty, the stronger we all get and the faster our movement grows. And uh, at some point, mathematics is going to kick in here. Okay about jeff rents has anything oh god i've been on working that? on jeff rents for 11 and a half years i ain't never even got past the front door to the point of spending 3500 damn dollars on an advertising campaign and couldn't even get his attention yeah that kind of stuff bothers me well it bothers me too i understand it from his standpoint i know he's busy he's got more on his plate than he can handle and uh and you get as a host here you see you get set in your ways in a standpoint when you got guests on like that and you start putting on people every week or once a month and all that well then you've got all your you don't have to go chasing guests and you've got all this stuff you're familiar with and you like you don't know about some of this other stuff that's being pitched at you and you just know i can't get his attention i mean when we had tom quinlan on here 
about a year and a half ago or so, has got, has got these little uh, devices that supposedly help keep things away from you. And uh, we had Tom on the show. I heard him on there one night. We got a hold of him. We got him on the program here. Great guy. Tom Quinlan had a lot of personal problems from people sabotaging his ass. I mean, boy, he had a story just curl your hair ken okay uh, he told me i don't know he didn't necessarily say it on the air but he told me on the side and it's just a horror story and so i we got tom on we uh, uh and he was in a weekly phone call with jeff and i i sh- probably shouldn't have pulled the trigger but i said will you please talk to jeff about me he said you know when you're talking to him this week and and jeff said look i appreciate what he's doing thank him for everything he's doing for the country but i'm just so busy i'm just so good i'm too busy to get the answer that hinges on all this and, and that i'm dealing with people that talk backwards okay i want to deal with people that talk backwards and record people's backward crap rather than this guy that's got all the answers that guy that talks backwards is the one i want to have on regularly it's like they're too busy chasing freedom to talk to you well and i understand there's a lot of things that are important everybody's got expertise and you know interests and all that stuff but we got the cracker right here man and i can't it, that's my frustration ken man i've been i've been dealing with this for many years and that's why i've totally changed my well, focus because if i didn't change my focus i was going to get so damn aggravated i was going to quit okay so i changed my focus and went back well we're just going to start at the bottom we're going to build it from the ground up okay one at a time and that's what we've been doing and here we are uh, i'm i'm sorry i just don't have time to deal with roger's sales stuff because i'm already 11 months into my anavon rights training <laughs> and five and a half into that's my right david that's, training. I'm, that's right i'm just not ready for uh, anything else i can't but waste all of that time that i've put into chasing my tail and it's so exercising and by god at one time i almost caught it wow what about v and you uh v V V into v, v from Vendetta. He's on RBN. Oh, I don't you know. He's uh, V Gorilla Valencia. V. He he's can, on uh, RBN on the late, 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 late show, uh, like from ten to twelve. Is Central. this is this V the economic gorilla guy? No, he's uh he has his own uh talk show that he does every night on rbn he used to be on the radio in sacramento and uh he has a pretty large audience but you know he's rbn as well yeah well i'm over there once a week and and i don't i've never even heard of this guy and i don't listen to rbn at night so uh you know i'm open to any of these but i don't chase people anymore because i've been so incredibly 100 percent unsuccessful at it I mean, Ken, I've sent every one of these people my information two years ago when we came out with those how-to documents. You know what? How many responses do you think I got? Uh, it's, uh, it, it really blows me away, but at the same time, I understand it just by looking at all of the people running around with masks on. Right. So, I mean, that well, pretty much explains it all See, right there this is where a couple of years ago when i came to this uh, uh well i don't even want to uh, refer to it as a faustian bargain it's a bargain with the big guy not the bad guy you know and i said listen i'm just i i'm so frustrated with this i can't you know walk and chew gum at the same time all right and i said i know this is important because i know what it is believe me i know what it is i've known what it is for a long time okay i know how powerful it is 
and I know what a potential game changer it is. And so I'd be talking to these people. That's one of the reasons I left the country, Ken, because I wrote that 80-page manuscript that's the basis of the book, and I couldn't get anybody to read it. Nobody. And that was part of the decision that figured into me leaving the country. I said, hell, I can probably do a lot better out there than I can here. My two teachers got thrown in jail on crap for 15 and a half years here. And then the little voice came to me and said, you need to get out. That's about all I needed. Okay, really? Between the combination of those three. And uh, so uh, I believe that the decision was correct. I think I have done more. There's no telling what they would have done to me up there at this point. May have done nothing. I don't know. But... Uh, but I know that what they did to my teachers, okay, and I know this is one hell of a lot more damaging than the information they were putting out. All right. So uh, anyway, all those things kind of said, big guy, listen, you're going to have to open the door. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I know all those other things. I know it's important. I I, I know it could be a game changer. I, I it, and that was before I really even understood all of it totally the way I do now. I said, but you're going to have to open the door because I can't push on it anymore, man. I can't budget. So that's what we're waiting for is for God to open the door. And I think he's doing it a little at a time as is his tendency. You know, don't want to give it to you all at once. And uh, we are building a formidable base. Okay. Well, on another note, um, you know, I submitted my uh, passport application back on the 24th of June they showed it received on the 7th of July, and when I checked my status the day before yesterday, they said that I should have it uh, on the 20th, so I, I didn't get it in the mail yesterday, oh. so maybe today. Okay, well, that's pretty so quick. Linda, hold it. Did you expedite it? No, routine service. Routine service in less than a month, passport turnaround? That's incredible. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. They fast-tracked me. I even called them in order to try to expedite it. Remember, I talked to you about that a couple days ago and said that I was concerned because they they wouldn't tell me what my status was. And um, you said to hang on. So anyhow, I checked it again a day or two after that, and that's when it showed that it had been approved and that I should have it in the mail on or about the 20th. So. I'm waiting with bated breath well, to get that card. Our our wonderful employees at USPS will probably deliver it today, maybe. Yeah, I'm just hoping it's not caught up in that whole mail uh, shuffle, whatever uh, it is they're doing or having. Or, no. or not doing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Well, yeah, hold it. There is that. Yes, who is that? I recognize it's Mike. that. It's Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, I've been trying to get a hold of the State Department for a damn week. I can't get a hold of it. That number they give you, it just sends you a runaround on voicemail. No, no, no. They'd never do that in an agency. They just wouldn't do it. I I was trying to get information from them. Hey, if I send my card to you, uh, Second Day Express, to get a book, when are you going to send me my card back? And I could never get anybody on the phone. Hold it. What card? Oh, your your passport card. Yeah, I was going to get a book. Oh, okay. Well, usually they turn that stuff around real quick. If it's something you have that you need, that they need to do other stuff, they'll turn it around real quick, is my experience. But you may be hung up in the mail system. I mean, everything's so damn messed up with a capital F, you never know where the damn problems are anymore. 
Well, they told me to get a uh, first-class express envelope, and it'll be there in less than two days. That's what the, the Passport website says. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, you know, I have no control over all that stuff. Obviously, my my expertise is getting you free. I'm not up on all these intricate IRS forms or any of this other crap because it's not my ballywick. Okay, quite frankly, I don't have those problems. I think it's interesting we can give answers to others that do, but it's just not in my wheelhouse directly, you know. So. I just wanted an extra ID just in case I lose my wallet or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea, man. I mean, I had mine stolen, you know. Uh, boy, yeah, you don't want a stolen passport. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. Buy a damned American for God's sakes. Piece of crap. So, all right. Who's next? Who's got something to bring forward? Love to hear from you. Oh yeah. They turned the Russian pipeline back on to Germany last night. Oh, they did. Now, yeah. you know what the hang up? There's two pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. One of them goes evidently through Ukraine, which is a lot of the basis of this problem because the Ukrainians were siphoning off the damn natural gas and Ukraine and stealing it. Surprise, surprise. And so then they built this Nord Stream 2, I guess, and I think it goes under the Black Sea or something partially. I don't believe it's above land totally, but here's the snafu. I, we hadn't talked about this. I've been meaning to mention it a couple of times. Anybody know this story I'm talking about here? So there's a really, really pump. There's some sort of a pumping mechanism in the pipeline that allows them to pump the gas. Well, the mechanism broke down. And the only it's a Siemens product. And the only way they could fix it was to send it to Canada to be fixed. Evidently, that's, you know, some tie-in. So the Russians pull out the absolute necessary pumping little mechanism that has to be fixed in Canada. They send it to Canada. Now, the, the New World Order's got Europe starving for gas right now, okay? And in Canada, they refuse to release it because of the sanctions. It's a turbine. I mean, is that does that kind of leave you a little speechless somewhere along the line? Well, it did me, okay. Well, the whole shutdown of the gas pipeline uh, delivery was due to sanctions, not because of Russia. Well, I know, but then the, on top of that, this thing fails, right, and now right. Canada won't re- fix it and replace it so that they can you know, save the poor old Germans and the Europeans there who are going to have a very hard winter. Well, I thought that they had released it finally. I haven't heard that. Last I heard, they had not. But I have heard here about the cooling centers. Have you all heard about the cooling centers? Well, you guys don't uh, hear too don't much, so. do you? Uh, you don't know nothing. And they don't know nothing, Jeff. You're right. So uh, anyway, what you might want to do, if you'd just like to get a taste of this, is go to your search engine. I don't. We don't try not to use the G word around here, but you can go to your friendly search engine and put in cooling centers in the U.S. and just see what pops up. Okay, and they're already setting this up where you're going to have, and you can bet in the winter it's going to be reversed. So you're going to be freezing and you're going to be starving, and you're going to go to the heating centers. You're going to be thirsting, too. And you might get a jab on the way in to get there, or they might ask you about what kind of guns do you have at home. I heard about those in Germany. Yeah, well, they're all over the U.S. already. Okay. The other thing. Hey, Roger, I, can you hear this? Is Matt. 
Hey, Matt. Yeah, hello. Hey, I, sorry. I just, I'm on my phone and I, That's I don't okay. know when I'm muted or not muted. But hey, hey, happy birthday. I wanted to say happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, and I've heard of these cooling centers. I'm, I'm well aware of, uh, well aware of them under the climate change BS. So yeah, total, total control. Another, you know, just part of their total control of the future. It's so, backfiring anyway, on them. Happy it's, birthday. It's back. Thank you very much. It's backfiring on them. Yeah. Uh, big time as all their other initiatives are. Uh, yeah, we had a nice little uh, birthday dinner last night. So a very upscale uh, Mexican restaurant here. And I like Mexican food a lot. Always have since my early days in Texas and New Mexico. And uh, stuck with me my whole life. It's not exactly Tex-Mex. It's kind of Euro-Mex. And, uh, but it's a very nice big, big house converted into a restaurant with a huge atrium and all these rooms with different themes and a lot of real colorful paint and they celebrate heroes. In fact, they have one room, one whole room designated to this wrestler called El Santos. Y'all familiar with him? He was one, he was the first Mexican uh, wrestler, I guess, and did really well. And here at last night at our dinner, Lanny was with us. He's the professional wrestler who was the genius and so uh he was telling us all about this guy santos and he wrestled him knew him he said he made a lot of money and pissed it all away and uh, uh so it was uh, there's about eight of us and some very interesting folks and uh, you know kind of the core group of our guys here and uh, it was a real nice dinner and uh, they took some fascinating pictures at the end of the meal. We were the only ones in the restaurant because we got there at four to avoid traffic. And uh, so at the end of the meal, we told them his birthday deal. And at the end of the meal, they they came. I wasn't paying attention. We were talking and uh, plopped this huge ass Mexican sombrero on me. And uh, it didn't even fit straight. It went it fit sideways. It's so damn big. And uh, this uh, bur- uh, uh, a birthday cake burrito, I guess is what you'd call it, with ice cream and strawberries and whipped cream and chocolate all over it. And we all had a bite or two. And then they got a picture of me with it before that all started. So it was a really nice evening. I enjoyed it. Nice company. And uh, it's good to you know make that day special. And uh, it was just nice to share it with those guys. And I'm glad to share that experience with you. So thank you very much, Matt. And uh, I, uh, years ago, I kind of altered birthday. I heard a guy say, and he said, "I don't do new. I don't do New Year's anymore." You know, people make New Year's, uh, uh, whatever those are, and uh, uh, resolutions, and they break them sometimes in 30 seconds, you know. And he said, I got a, that got old, and it got very unmeaningful for me, and so I decided to change New Year's to my birthday. And then I used my birthday as a guidepost to uh, see progress, et cetera, year to year, and make it a little bit more special. And I did that a number of years ago, so that's kind of the way I approach this, and uh, it was a big day. So thank you very much, and thanks for participating at least in your well wishes and where you are and all that stuff and uh it was nice so here we go off on year 74 you know um but uh and i'm in pretty damn good physical shape for somebody my age and all that kind of stuff so uh you know here we go nice spot good nice place to live and good friends and out of the uh, ongoing uh, brunt of the storm so to speak we're on the periphery here i believe and uh, so everything's pretty good, and we're growing. We got a nice platform here. Uh, you know, I was thinking about what Carol said yesterday on how much she liked the program, and uh, 
uh, th- this format we've got has been a, a work in progress and not necessarily conscious. It's kind of developed out in necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, because of Microsoft and Bill Gates and uh, uh, their screw up with Skype, we shifted over here to Jitsi. And it's it's a really nice platform for what we do, you know. And uh, uh, we get these wonderful group discussions, and people can add stuff in that they might not have been able to call in and add otherwise. And it's an ongoing conversation with a number of pretty smart people that have interesting and and really acute insights into what we're dealing with. So it's a wonderful format. I really like it. And uh, from somebody that's been in and around media most of my life, and I, I don't know of anything else like it out there. Do you guys? I mean, you're the ones that listen to all these other programs. I don't. No, not really. Hey, yeah. Roger. I, yeah. Yes. Uh, this is Dave from Orlando. Hey, Dave. And, uh, I have a suggestion. Hey, hey um, I, there's a, an app called Signal. I don't know if you know oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I know about and Signal. You, oh, okay. Um, I was just, you know, I didn't know if you know about that. Well, I used to have it on my on my iPhone before it was stolen, and when I bought this Android replacement, I just hadn't replaced it because I never used it quite frankly i see i've got a little bit different idea on this privacy stuff than most people i don't want to hear who i don't want them seeing what i'm doing i don't want to hell i want them to hear what i'm doing i by hell i'm inviting them to listen absolutely you know shit you may learn something we may turn one of these goons hey roger yes that was it samuel hey mm-hmm. samuel yeah 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 if uh if michael herzog stays true to form he's going to do his homework and he's going to give you a good interview. Good. Well, I gave, I sent him the book yesterday. Uh, I hadn't heard back from him since then, but I'm hoping he's pouring over it. And I when sent I, him when I when I when I emailed him, I uh, sent him uh, the Matrix stocks, mm-hmm. uh, so, or at least the site uh, link. So I'm assuming. I mean, uh, hopefully I'm not jinxing it, but he's a he's a good researcher. He's what's a, his back? What's his background, Samuel? Is this in the guy that's the EMT guy? Is it? No, he's uh, right now. He's an Uber driver, I think. But uh, he's got a, uh, you know, he's a licensed pilot. Uh, he's done a lot of different things okay. in his life. Okay. And this V guy, he's he is interesting. He's funny, and I th- he said that he's an ex or I don't guess current um, general of the Black Panthers. I would assume the old ones. Oh, he's a black guy. Oh, well, now you got my attention. Stephen Elkins, as you're talking about. Who's uh, that's right. He, he's the, yeah, he's on Mondays, I think, right, Mike? He's on Sunday nights and Mondays. Right. He follows me on Sunday nights, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah. a, a quite an intellectual and funny character with a very colorful background. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, if any of you want to try and put me in touch with him, uh, you know, I mean, I could go through Tom D and yank on his chain, too. So, okay, interesting. I I talk to him regularly on TLB Talk, so I don't mind shooting him a message. Oh, great, Ken. Well, why don't you? What what are his hours over there? Um, Well, you know, I'd have to double check, but he lives in Poland. Oh, he's in Poland. Um, yes. Wow. So that that might be. Uh, well, what time's his show? What, well. what time? Give me a, an idea of his show. I mean, is he like 
10 to 12 central. Oh, okay. okay. Late night, late, late evening. Late, okay. All right, good. Right, well, if you like want to reach out to him, early I love morning it. for him. Well, you know, when you get a talk show host like that, they're always looking for programming. Generally, they're always open for somebody that could come in and help eat up the time. You know, in the early days of radio and television, that's the big problem is programming. Uh, we got this wonderful signal here. What the hell do we put on it? You know. And it's all—it's like uh, with computers, you get the hardware out there, and it's the scramble for software, you know. Uh, and so I know that radio hosts like that, unless they got a special stick like we do here, are always looking for guests. So yeah, do you that, know, Roger. Ken. Roger V is uh, to me is more of a co-host going back and forth kind of a guy. Oh, I, I've not heard that many interviews with him. Okay. All right. Well, y'all, uh, you know, run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. Okay. Um, hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Wayne. Hey, Wayne. We haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, we wanted to wish you happy birthday yesterday, but I thank had to, you. Instead of that, I had to go celebrate my wife's our thirtieth wedding anniversary. No, no, that's so, uh, much. That's much more important than my birthday. <laughs> thank you. Well, my you wife know. says it's the best best twenty five years of her life. So there you go. <laughs> you know, I remember Neil Bort saying something. Bort's had a lot of good stuff on. I don't know what's happened to him. I guess he's retired now. But uh, Bort's for his arrogance and pomposity, he had a lot of good things going for him. And one of the things that he said on there one day, Wayne, that really stuck with me, still does. Is it, you triggered it right there. He said the most valuable thing you can have today is a long lasting marriage. That's absolutely correct. Definitely, I'm. I uh, I really got lucky, so uh, I definitely uh, treasure every wedding anniversary. But um, hey, the reason I wanted to call in is on now a Jeff. Things. Jeff is so, still seeking to embark on that, but go ahead. <laughs> We're trying to fix him up. He's over in that Plano area. There's some rough characters over there. So. Yeah, but, you, uh, you might run it, into Mark Stein or Alan Stein on the street over there in Plano. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, talking about robert barnes number one uh he was on with alex before he was with I, owen yesterday. I, I saw him he's going to be on Infowars, by the way for for any of you that uh he's going to be in austin area for the next couple of weeks because of a couple of cases he's got going on in those areas and so he's going to be real regularly on Infowars for the next couple of weeks like he was yesterday with alex and today with owen or from yesterday and day before whatever I'm a day. Well, the, the I'm like the, the bu- old butcher. I'm a day behind in my work. What did he bring out? Well, what he brought out was the fact that uh, he said there's been a deal already worked out between Trump. And oh DeSantis. yeah, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me on that. Did y'all hear this? Nobody well, heard it. Yeah, go ahead and tell. Yeah. Go ahead and tell him, Wayne. I'll use go ahead tell it. Tell us. <laughs> From what I heard is that Barnes is saying and he is close to Trump. He said. Uh, the idea will be for Trump to be running for president in 24, DeSantis is vice president, and the idea being that there's such a crap show going on up there, Trump will handle more of the international relations type stuff. Uh, DeSantis will work on the domestic side because there's so many problems there, too. So there's plenty of work to go around. But with Trump only being able to serve four years, it gives DeSantis time to really get his foundation set to run in 28 and possibly beyond. So if that's if that's the case, then uh, that should be a slam dunk. It's, and so a lot of people think DeSantis may want the top spot, but 
I personally don't think no. he can attract thirty no. to forty thousand no, no, no. people. He's not ready yeah. yet. He's not ready yet. He hasn't been on the national scene enough yet. Uh, and uh, we'll be we'll we'll be terribly sick to lose him in Florida. I'm going to tell you that right off. Okay, I float the idea to my mom, and she just about goes nuts. No, 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 don't take him. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Wayne covered it very adequately, and of course, what is really even better than that is they complement each other so well from opposite standpoint and uh that it's got the democrats just absolutely frightful he said the deal's already been cut but it won't be announced for a while until the conventions yeah that kind of makes sense and uh if i could transition to one other uh subject here roger uh, you talk about how important affidavits are you know and definitely we see it with our citizenship evidence and i also know that jim ram created a very effective religious exemption affidavit for his wife and she was one of the few people who was able to retain her job when COVID hit a couple of years ago correct so um that that was very critical so um, my question is i've been battling an attorney over uh some debt that uh, they think i owe and uh i did one of those demand for debt validations which i know he's already gone he's already in default Normally, I would send a notice of default, but I was thinking of sending an affidavit, a, a default by affidavit, because I think uh, the more I, I believe it could very well be a lot stronger than a typical notice, because he would probably have to uh, send back by affidavit his, you know, his, his opposition. Yep. No, that's probably a good idea. Uh, and I want to add something to your medical exemption barnes wrote up a medical exemption that's on his website they were talking about it on the owen show yesterday that i just got finished watching and he said he didn't get hardly any people that he said i didn't hear back from anybody which means it was successful across the board and i believe his website is viva barnes law dot locals dot com and for those of you who are law oriented it's too bad chris caven is still with us he'd probably be on there regular on that website because barnes answers every one of his emails and they have discussions over there that's a format that i wanted to set up uh, a kind of a peripheral website on because of the ability to communicate back and forth and whatnot i believe locals dot com paul you're familiar with them paul Paul, you off yeah, getting coffee? No. No. <laughs> no. Well, you may want to check into them. What it is is it's a one of these sites. It's owned by the guys uh, that do Rumble. Okay. And it's a site where you can go on and tag your own website onto their master website. I don't think it's very complicated uh, or complex. I've just never been over there and screwed with it. But what you do is, let's say we set up our account over there, we'd have surfsup.locals.com. And we'd have our page on locals.com as opposed to being our own page on a server. But I kind of have an intrinsic trust with locals.com because a lot of the people that are on over there, uh, the first time I heard about it, I remember was tulsi gabbard uh so tulsi gabbard's got a side over there barnes has got a side over there. there's probably a bunch of others i just don't go over there regular but viva barnes com is his page uh especially it, you may want to go over and check out his uh, medical exemption thing that was so successful too so just a, what i know about it Hey, Roger, uh, this is Dave here again. If I can ask you another question. Sure, Dave. Dave, you're going to have to familiarize myself. Where are you calling from? Because uh, 
you're not. I'm calling from Orlando. Oh, okay, right. I'm sorry, I missed it a minute ago when you were there. Go ahead. No, no, not not no problem. Um, and I am doing my uh, citizenship evidence, and I was the one that you know I've been calling for a couple of days, but I haven't been able to get um, your attention. And um, I'm, I had a name change. Oh and Lord! So yeah, that was the I'm the, I'm the troublemaker here. So, <laughs> so as you can imagine, so I'm following your suggestions and I'm putting together. I put together a cover letter, which I'm sending along with. Um, well, I'm I'm applying for the passport today. Later on. All right. And so um, I I'm would take attaching, uh, as as opposed. To, I would put at the top in bold explanatory statement ex- explaining name change or something to that effect up there as a heading okay, okay. Uh, but be the, be sure to use the words explanatory statement okay roger if i may for day okay hold on it's charlie right. charlie's going to chime and, in here and then, uh, i i wrote a um sorry uh something a, a statement and i'd like to run it by you and see if that's okay okay and I just wrote, uh, attach is also the official court document record, which supports my new legal name change. Uh, the name change was done for personal reasons. My expired passport under my former name is on the citizen, uh, citizenship evidence enclosed, and the old passport in its entire, entirety has been submitted with this new passport application. Okay. I'd, instead, of, I'd say with the complete passport instead of in its entirety but that's just my my inkling sounds good to me yeah Dave. okay the complete passport is fine and then uh yeah and then of course you know adding the please find my notarized citizenship evidence in close which is the you know the the statement that you uh, suggest put in there all right and that's it i'm um on my way to get it everything uh-huh okay good okay. man sounds like you got it covered you got the court documents you're including them in there you shouldn't have any problems it's we've had several of these incidents in the last year and a half or so with people that went through name changes for whatever reasons and i'd never even come across that situation before so these are the new things that are coming at me as we get bigger and people with different circumstances sounds good to me though dave yeah charlie what were you going to add okay. in there for dave thanks hold on dave yeah, charlie i'm going to add it yesterday but i know i know we got to, to the end of the program dave i don't know how close you are to the courthouse um, but I would get um, an exemplified um, copy of that court order, okay, because it puts that name into international law, okay? And as far as the explanation statement, respectfully, I, I will state this. You have to. You have no obligation to give them an explanation. You already no, no, no. did that no. to get the legal we're, we're just trying to pave the way ahead of getting the thing through, Charlie. Okay, okay, fair enough. But the exemplified, that's what I did. Um, I've got a little background on it for about three years, and all I did was send in the exemplified, and I put the court order number in it. That would would probably do, but anything that can satisfy them a little easier and speed the process along I think is helpful. Is that something that I can do after I submit everything? What the exemplified copy Charlie's I think we talking have one about? Shot at the, Go ahead, Charlie. I, I would do it. I would do it with it if you if you could just maybe put off the mailing for one day. But to me, we have one shot at the bullseye. 
Okay. No, no, no. And no. If, if they reject, I don't think that's right. If they reject you for whatever reason, you've always got administrative appeals at your disposal. Now, you might not, I don't know what involved in that. I mean, I kind of do, but I don't specifically in this case. But you see, that's part of due process. Anytime they make a decision, uh, what, what's the next step in my administrative appeal? That should be your first question. Okay. Because of the way the system is set up, the agencies are a court of record. You don't look at them that way because when you use the word court, your mind automatically goes to a room with a bar and a black robe judge up there. Well, this is a totally different type of court. It's an agency court, and the basis of the agency court is your administrative file. Because anything they send you or anything you return to them has got to be placed in that administrative file. That's what makes it a court of record. We've had patriots try and go and file suits at the district court level, and the clerk will say, well, I can't file this suit. You haven't exhausted your administrative appeals. That is a court of record. We just don't see it like that. But that's what it is. That's why the affidavit works. Because you send it to the Secretary of State, he's got to put it in your administrative folder. When it's in your administrative folder in his possession, it can be brought. If they ever came at you for any kind of a charge, that document can be admitted into that proceeding, and it bypasses all their rules of evidence because it's in the possession of the Secretary in the administrative court level. That's why all this works. Right. And the court document itself, it's got stamps and everything else, I mean, you know, that can be referenced. So going to the court may be a good idea, you know, because it goes into the international arena and everything. But it may be overkill. I don't know that. I, really I, I, I don't see anything wrong. If it's legitimate and you've got the court documents and you've got an explanation on there with them, I bet it sails right through. And that's our objective okay. right there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'll be following up with, uh, with all this. And, um, you know, uh, there's one more question that I had about this all. And that was, let's see. Uh, oh, I can't find it here. Where is it? Oh, what would be the purpose of adding other declarations to your statement? Well, if you, for example, had violated any of the acts and conditions listed on page so-and-so in the instructions, they, they expressly direct you to put an explanatory statement in there, and that's in the oath. Mm. You know, you've been, you've been over to Thailand boinking little boys and girls, Dave, have you? Never. <laughs> okay, well, you don't need to put that explanatory statement in then. You've been ever, you're convicted of smuggling cocaine out of Ecuador or anything? Never. Okay, well, you don't need to put that in there either, but that is an occasion when you'd want to put that in there. Okay. So I guess there's right, other reasons, so too. You know, there may be other reasons to put an explanatory statement. We just hadn't come across yet because nobody's had the circumstances, really. Exactly. I know that this is, uh, we're sort of pioneering here. We're plowing new ground, baby. Ain't nobody ever plowed this ground before. Right. And I'm happy to say uh, I got some real good mules out in front of my plow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. I'm on my way. I've got to get this uh, notarized. Okay, Dave. Thank you for the injection. Good luck, and we're waiting to hear your success, okay? Okay, thanks. Okay, man, I'll see you later. Uh, all right, who's got something else to bring to the forefront here? 
Hey, Roger, I have a question for you. Okay, Ken, go this ahead. Is Ken. Um, I was just curious what your thoughts might be on the push 09 and the 09 number being on the passport card, if there was any possible correlation. Mm, boy, I've never put those two together, quite frankly. I don't know that there would be, uh, uh, but it's an interesting connection. I don't know of any. I don't have any thoughts on that. I got a bunch of thoughts on push code 09. I mean, we could go in. We could go in, into depth on that and the whole IRS process. And you know, I had a guy. I think I mentioned it. I had a guy wrote me an email, and uh, he goes, "I want to disagree with you on the confirmatory writing." And he lists out the sections of the UCC, and which is very difficult to read. Have y'all ever tried to delve into the UCC? Anybody? It's confusing enough just to do WP one dash. Uh, 308 UCC. Yeah, it's it's, it's very difficult. First of all, if you go into the UCC, there's a clause in there. I remember John bringing it out in class. It says, anything not covered by this title reverts to the law merchant. So if you have any question about what's governing you, it's right there in that clause. Okay. The confirmatory writing, and this is John's teaching. This is what I wrote that guy back. I said, look, I'm teaching John's teachings and whatever I've been able to add on top of. That was his thoughts. I've never come across one situation where John Benson had ventured an idea that wasn't correct. Okay. I mean, in all these years, I've never seen him be wrong. All right. And uh, so the guy's going, I want to argue with that. I wrote him back. I said, listen, this is what John taught us. And uh, uh, I don't know. I teach what John taught me because I know it was virtually all correct. All right. But listen, let me ask you a question. If you can give me an idea of how they're getting you into a contractual agreement at the front end of a voluntary system, why don't you give it to me? Because I'd like to hear it. Well, I never heard back from the guy, obviously. Okay. So this is John's teachings. And I'm everything he ever taught us is correct. All right. And the confirmatory writing is how they get you at the front end with that. We haven't received your tax returns for the years, whatever, whatever. If you've already submitted, please disregard this notice. Otherwise, you might have to come in and bring some of your books and records. Now, when they get that summons, a lot of patriots, I remember some guys took a wheelbarrow and filled it full of phonograph records and and books and took it in there, you know, because they don't specify what kind of books and records. All right. Uh, But that is a very unique specialty contract in the ucc where it's reversed just like all this other stuff i believe that's why they're using it because it fits into their dialectical scheme and this one is usually you have to okay a contract well this one is if you don't expressly deny it you're considered to be in agreement okay so i'm virtually positive that's how they're getting you into the contractual obligation if you have not filed now they can run on. They get to a point where the 1040's got to be in the process because the computer is programmed correctly. And William, where is it? Uh, wh- wh- what's the name of that town up there in West Virginia where the IRS is headed? Does anybody know? They got all their facilities in some West Virginia town. I can't think of it right off the bat. So anyway, it gets to a point. There's no 1040 because you didn't file. And that's when push code 09 comes in. They stop the process. They institute a substitute for return, also referred to as a dummy return. Now the computer's got a 1040 in the process that's been filed, even though it doesn't know it wasn't you, and it goes on to assessment and collections. It parallels exactly. Ken, have you heard us talk about the old English process? 
A little bit. Well, th- this was the old. It's it's exactly the old English process with a few little uh, changes to protect the guilty. Okay, and in the old process, the king would send out his uh, his tax people, his revenuers from the exchequer, and they'd go out into different parts of England. And how the people knew they were there is they'd take a big checkered tablecloth and put it over a table, and that's where the name exchequer came from. Okay, and the people would see the big colorful tablecloth and they'd come and dutifully report their taxes. They'd take all the information that they gathered and they'd take it back to the exchequer. And there they had an office and they would take and decide all these things. Okay, this is this is a really interesting little part of history here. And so they would come up with all these conclusions. And if if you had not gone and voluntarily done it with them, they'd start doing all the stuff the IRS does. They'd go to your neighbor's. Oh, Ken's got a big carriage and a bunch of white horses. Where'd he get that? He's always got these concubines running in and out of the manor, you know. And so they'd go back like the IRS does, and they'd take that information and figure up how much they thought you made and then determine what they thought you owed in taxes off that, according to your lifestyle. This is in England hundreds of years ago. Now, the interesting part of this, Ken, is once they came up with those details, they would put them on parchment. And directly below their their beating office was the assessment office, and it was connected by a pipe, like a numismatic pipe at banks we get today. When you're out in the outer lane and you get that little uh, container and put your stuff in there, you see the girl pick it up in there in the window. (laughs) Well, this one worked on gravity. And they'd shove it down the pipe, and it'd end up in the assessment office, and that's where they'd put what they thought you owed on the assessment rolls. Now they got you. Here's the big difference. If they gave something as an assessment that you didn't agree with, you got to go to a common law court of a jury of your peers, and they would determine if there was a judgment, they'd get it filed, and they'd come after you. Our people here take that one little fork in the road, and they send you to tax court. It's called a 90-day letter inside the Patriot community because it gives you 90 days to do to go to tax court or else they're going to start coming after you with self-help remedies or potential jail time possibly, okay, for if it's criminal. And so it's at that point where you got to, petition the tax court to get the case on the docket do you know understand the difference in what that does ken yes and the the uh the point that i was going to push or get to was um as a national if the push code 09 would not apply you might be able to skirt around that well you're not going to have any taxable obligations and that's why you send the irs notice Okay, so well, I meant as uh, uh, past. Uh, oh, well, past stuff. Well, you know, I mean, that's a, that's just if if it's stuff contractually they've got you in. It's my experience personally too. By the way, they're going to prosecute that and take a big bite out of your ass on the way out the door. Okay, now the difference for the people that don't know, the when you when it flips instead of you had the the ability to go to, to a common law court, now it's a tax court over in our system but you got to petition it and that means it shifts the burden of proof to the petitioner and now you've got the burden of proof to go up against these crooks and all their crap and all their hidden crap in that court 
Now, I'll tell you the story. I've told it before. My my David Strait, who was my dear friend that's now deceased, uh, he was a very successful businessman. He's a multimillionaire, self-made, okay, in the construction business. And one of the things, have you ever seen those octagon houses, Ken? They look yeah. round, but they're, well, that was him. Okay, and David used to be a partial owner in Lincoln Log Homes, and they got pissed off with Link with Log Homes, and he went down and started. He didn't like his partner either, and he he was going down. He started a, a company there in North Atlanta called Eagles Nest Homes, and he did prefab stuff. David was one of the only manufacturers of these types of homes in the world that could get homes into Germany because of Germans strict strict import on this area and he had met all those qualifications he used to ship to 19 countries of the world those round houses are incredible and because i knew him so well you know, i'd get a lot of the stories that he'd get through the office they had they had a couple in the caribbean when a hurricane went through one of those islands the only thing left standing standing on the islands was those round homes because when the wind hit, it, it's got physics to go with the wind can go around and not destroy them. They also had some that he sold to the FAA uh, in connection with the new Denver airport out there that they had up on top of one of the mountains to the west of Denver out there, Charlie, probably where you are. And they had some 120 mile an hour winds or something. And the only thing left standing was David's homes. Okay. And so he was a hell of a guy. And the story was he had used the same accounting system with lincoln log homes and because the irs had blessed it it had worked when he started his new company he said well i'll just use the same accounting system and so he again i'm starting a new company this is the system we're going to use is that okay yeah it's fine and so then david being who he was he was a journalist major and he loved to write and he'd do all these letters to the editor that had end up in the paper up there we went to the point at one point that's uh canton georgia it's up in uh, uh i i want to say cherokee county i don't remember what the county is it's north of atlanta their bedroom community and uh and so david put forth a big article that we need to repass the constitution in the because we didn't understand all this 14th amendment stuff as well back then and we were going to pass the constitution in that county cherokee county i guess and uh man we had a big deal at the county commission there's a hundred hundred fifty of us up there and we were you know all dressed up with flags and we went in and invaded the county commission meeting and it was a four to three vote but they reaffirmed the constitution in cherokee county well unfortunately we didn't realize they were reaffirm reaffirming the 13th and 14th amendment along with it so he was a real activist and that got their attention obviously and so one day he's out at the office and uh there's a irs agent shows up and he goes well i'm here to talk to you about this accounting system you're using he said well look you okay did i got the the letter right here he said well that doesn't matter we're not okay in it now typical irs pharisees changing the rules okay and so david being who he was said well i'll fight him okay and so he hired there was a guy out of houston any of you guys heard of this irs attorney named mims nobody's heard of mims no okay well he was this was a number of years ago but he got a lot of publicity because he won a 10 million dollar case against the irs for some client and so well david went and hired him okay 
so he came over to atlanta for a few days i got to meet him talk with him a little bit he's a really neat guy a uh, little bitty guy about five foot four you're gonna like this paul he's about five foot four and he's really adept in the courtroom and so he had gone to tax gone to college went through tax and then he went to work for the irs for five years and he told us he said my father wouldn't even speak to me for five years <laughs> yeah no, I heard about that guy. The, the name just didn't ring a bell. Right. Well, his name's Mims. And uh, what I thought was incredibly interesting was he told he says, do you know what I do for my vacations? <laughs> no, because I go to Africa and hunt big game with a bow and arrow to keep my court responses sharp. Yeah, hell of a guy, man. And so a good attorney, all right? And so it was in uh, – they go to tax court. It's in the the tax court in Atlanta. And this is why – this is the only time I was ever in there, and I was so impressed. The tax court in Atlanta is in the same building as the 11th Circuit, the appellate level. And it's in downtown Atlanta, and it happens to be a building that's the old post office building that was built in the 1800s. Man, it's majestic. You walk in the front door, and the law library is a huge atrium below you. And all the the whole law library is down there, and the, the, the courtrooms are above. So they got the tax court back in some corner. We go up the stairs and down some halls and end up in this tax court room. Well, Mims gets in there. They got full people. There's a bunch of other cases going on. And David's case comes up, and it's towards the end of the day. And so um, I'm in there. I'm there. A couple of our other Patriot guys are there. And uh, they get the group leader of the IRS team that has turned on David here that's been orchestrating all this crap. And Mims gets her on the stand and gets her to admit under per penalty of perjury that she fudged the numbers. The judge was right at the end of the day. The judge went apoplectic. But really, he he closed the court, brought all the attorneys into the into in camera, a little thing in his meeting in his office, and Evan, from what Mims told David, he was just absolutely steaming. Okay, and so they adjourn for that day. They open up the next morning. They bring the research team leader back on the stand, and they charge David, I think, six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars because he was who he was. He had the uh the money in the bank and he just stroked him a check boy that must have been painful too but there's your irs and the tax court where they catch the group leader that's doing all this shit perjuring herself on the stand and they still rule against you you want to go to tax court do you not anytime oh i don't want to go into any court okay i just went into an attorney's office just to do some real estate documents and so while we're going through all this stuff uh i asked the guy go well by the way what does bar mean anyhow and this is a 35 year attorney and he goes i don't know nobody's ever asked me that before right well (laughs) i i got my own story on, on on irs stuff as long as nobody's wanting to ask any questions uh, in my personal situation with my house, I, had a, I was in a house there in Marietta for, for 19 years, built up nice equity, and uh, so all this stuff comes down the pike. My wife's divorced. I got the house, and, and I'm fighting IRS, and I, 
I had put in the early days because I've been through paralegal school and I didn't, you know, I should have understood this stuff better and it just hadn't come clear to me yet at that point. This is in the late 90s. And so uh, the usual rule with liens is first in line in time. In other words, if you got a mechanics lien, Ken, against somebody or somebody's got one against you that did work on your house and you were so rude you never paid them, well, they go down and they put what's called a mechanics lien on you. And it sits there until you sell the property, and when you sell the property, it generates the lien, okay? And they're going to pay them off. They're ahead of what you get. And so uh, knowing all that, I went with somebody, and we we got a fake foreign corporation out of Panama or something with a lien on my house, and we went and put it on the property records roll as a lien. But it it was bogus, okay? And because I didn't understand all this stuff, John had taught me totally yet. And I didn't understand it for a number of years later. And one day it hit me upside the head, and I went, "God, you're, you're man, you're missing out. You're really, you're really not grasping stuff here, because the answer's right there." And so, anyway, uh, I put my house on, been in real estate. I knew a little bit about it. I put it on for sale by owner, and I get this couple, newly married couple. The the wife was uh, from a daughter of a doctor in Macon, and they were just lovebirds. Okay, and they fell in love with my house. It was their little love nest, and uh, they tried to do some other stuff getting to that point, and it had been real frustrating to them. But finally, they found it. They loved the house. We cut the deal, signed the contract, and then I had stopped paying my mortgage. Kind of, you know, I tell y'all the only way we learn is to press the envelope. Well, I was pressing the envelope here, and I'd stopped paying my mortgage for a couple of months, and it was in September when the closing came up and it was right before labor day it was the friday before labor day now georgia is what's called the non-judicial foreclosure state do y'all know what that means anybody know what that means okay there's two types of when they're going to come get your house for something like that there's the traditional way that they've got to go through and then a number of states probably more of them now have passed a non-judicial foreclosure where they don't have to go through a court proceeding the way that it's structured is they advertise in the paper for three weeks in a row i think that you're negligent and they're going to auction your house off in the first monday or tuesday of the month i've forgotten which uh, i think it's monday and then uh they uh put it up for open sale on the courthouse steps okay this non-judicial foreclosure and so uh georgia's a non-judicial foreclosure state and i had pressed the envelope with not paying the mortgage and they were i was right up against getting my house sold on the courthouse steps and because it was labor day weekend it wasn't going to be monday it was going to be tuesday I think that's the way they do it. If it's a holiday, they move it. And so I'm there at the closing on Friday with all that looming in the background that these people didn't know anything about. Okay. And so we're sitting there at the closing table, and they're across the table. They just sold their house the hour before. Okay. So, man, they were chomping. They had funds. They were ready to get my house and go commence with their lovebird stuff. And so uh, we're sitting there at the table. I had a witness with me. And, uh, all of a sudden, the closing attorney walks in. He's like you were talking about, Ken. Somebody's been in doing it for years, had a heck of a reputation around Marietta there. And so he comes in, and he happens to be sitting right next to me. And he turns over to me. He says, okay, Mr. Sales, I need a check to the Internal Revenue Service for $35,000 and some odd change. Now, there's a saying, any of you that have been in real estate, there's a saying in real estate that when something goes wrong at the closing table, 
the only thing you hear is the click of everybody in the room's eyeballs as they turn to you. And I'm telling you, that's true because I lived it. All right. And so all of a sudden, click everybody in the eyeball in the room's eyeballs on you. And I had no other choice. And I said, well, just redo the figures and take that out of the proceeds, which he, he ran off and did. But before he left the room, he turned to me and he said, we looked all over for this other lien. We never could find anything about it, but it doesn't really make any difference. Now, get this. Because IRS goes to the head of the line. Now, this is the closing attorney telling me this. Because IRS goes to the head of the line, and then he adds, I don't know why they can do it, but they do. Now, it was another seven or eight years, and I felt like somebody kicked me in the groin, by the way. It was another seven or eight years before it hit me one day. Oh, the lien's on me. That's why the IRS goes to the head of the line, because it's not on the house. It's on you. And they took those figures out, and then the IRS had the audacity to send me a letter that said, you only owed 30000 but we took an extra 5000 for taxes we think you're going to owe in the future. Now, I could have. Because the rule with IRS is you can't sue the IRS until you've paid the tax. Okay? And so now that they had absconded with that, I could have gone to federal court and probably gotten that 5000 back. But the, I was so happy to be done with these bastards. Okay? And my thought is, was, and still is, $35,000 is a pretty damn cheap price to pay for the education these bastards have given me. Okay? So part of the reason that I do this with such zeal is because people like Dave that we talked to a few minutes ago, every time he files this affidavit and puts the IRS on notice, I take a little bit off of the account that they owe me. And it, I do charge very heavy penalties and really, really heavy interest. So when people like you submit something and remove yourself from the system, you're helping me in Roger's war against the damn IRS and these international thugs. Okay? So there's a little story for you. I've had a few encounters with them myself, and um, it... Uh, you know, at first, when I didn't know anything, it was pretty hairy. But that also reminds me, um, when I went to sell my property, uh, I was at the title office, and I signed with my UCC signature, you know, the WP uh, UCC 1-308. Yep. And uh, the title agent that I was dealing with said, well, wait a minute, I've never seen this before. And... I was kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting. And she goes, so she went and talked to their attorney and the attorney said, well, you know, this changes everything. We may have to delay the closing uh, because of this, because it basically means that you're signing under duress. And I, I backed off, I took it off, but I found it kind of interesting that they had never seen that before. Yeah, it is. When yet it's in the, UCC regs themselves say that they promote the use of the UCC. 
So um, the whole game is so convoluted and the rabbit holes run so deep that um, you know, that's the one of the biggest reasons for me wanting to be a national so I can remove myself from the system. But yet, you know, hopefully that if I ever have to deal with the system, I will be very glad to introduce the differences and make sure that's part of the legal process. So hopefully they'll leave me alone. Do you see what a lot, this is one of the reasons I hammer on the education so much and learning this stuff and understanding it because now you're an ambassador to go out and teach these system people what they've never been exposed to before but you can't do that unless you know the information i mean there is a method to my madness here whether it appears that there is or not okay you got to oh, learn the information. No you got to learn the information. Everything we're doing depends upon you learning the information. Your efficiency, your comfort level, your ability to be a belligerent claimant, all those things. And then we take that and we spread it because you've got the information and you're exposing it to people that have never been exposed to it before. But you couldn't do that if you didn't know the information. And when this whole thing falls and we go to rebuild, this thing the contribution we've got is we know the loophole they drove the 18 wheeler through so we don't let them do it again never again see we can take all their little slogans that deal with fraud like the whole hoax and we can turn it around with something legitimate never again slaving bastards never again murdering thieving lying pieces of crap never again we got your game. Well, we know the ground me, rules, um, and we ain't going to let you do it again. And if you persist on it, we're going to hang your asses. I, I do remember hearing Ralph talking about the interpretive. Um, I he, just flashed in my head that he had discovered that. Oh, he knew it. And he knew it. Also, um, before Ralph, there was Al Whitney. Do you remember her, or do you ever... Did you ever listen to her? That name doesn't even hardly ring a bell with me, Ken. There's been a number of people in this arena over the years, obviously. That one doesn't ring any kind of bell with me. Well, she was on RBN, and she had a uh, show. I Right now, the name escapes me. But she was coming up with some things that, uh, you know, I would then listen to Ralph and then say, well, Ralph, she's already talking about some of these things. You need to come up to speed. But then... Al Whitney passed away and then Ralph starts talking about it and he passes away. So the bottom line is watch your six, Roger. Well, I mean, you know? I'm, I'm in pretty good shape at 74. And if the Lord calls me on nothing I can do about it, you know, hell, I should have been died in that car accident 12 years ago, really. So I'm kind of on borrowed time here, really. Uh, but, um, there have been a lot of people that had new, new pieces of this. Dan Metter and his group, too, evidently. Uh, but, Ralph, we never could get on the same page. I never had any conversations or communication with him. I'd just hear about him from other listeners. So I know he was on to this, and I knew we were on parallel tracks of understanding. And, man, this interpretive regulations thing, I can't express. Well, all the problems they're having right now is because of those decisions in the court, Fifth Circuit, and the one out of Florida on the masks, and all of them say agencies can't make law. That's Congress's deal. They can interpret it and regurgitate it, but they can't make it. 
and that's the bone of contention they're really running across that right now that's the reason for this executive order scam yesterday because the agencies have been ruled against making law so they go well hell we'll just do it with executive order those are going to get shot down too you know they they had the big head fake they announced it i talked about it yesterday that was going to be announced and then they changed the announcement and said oh he's not going to announce that today so it's just more of this crap from these people that shows their disorganization internally these guys got big problems they may appear to be all omnipotent and all powerful but you can see from the periphery they got big problems in the background I have to say that the power of prayer is so critical and key to all of this that, um, and, and so much of this for me at least is an answer to prayer. So I do make a call out to all the prayer warriors out there to keep all this in their prayers so that they keep you covered and the people that are actively participating in this covered uh, because really that's the only way to overcome all this and um you know to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and uh but that prayer cover sure is what we really need well it, it whatever is people are doing it seems to be working so uh we take it a day yeah, at a time and fend off the the attackers as they come but it looks like to me they're on the run they're getting exposed everywhere you know, one of the reasons that Barnes is in Austin is because of that case he's got going in in Waco. We've briefly talked about it, but they've got a whistleblower from inside Pfizer that that case revolves around. And I heard him say today, he said that they did a preliminary conference call on it. And it was him and 12 Pfizer attorneys on the initial conference call. Okay. So they're freaked out about it or they wouldn't run 12 attorneys at you. It may be, Barnes said it may be the single biggest whistleblower settlement in the history of the law in our country. So he's got him against the wall with an internal manager that, let's see if I can remember the story here. She been a, She was a manager on the production line, okay? And they had written instructions on the production line to hand add ingredients she said i'd never seen it before and so she starts asking questions and it's the hand added ingredients of the one ingredient that goes after your pancreas your liver and your ovaries that's what they were hand adding in there and they've got it all from a manager level whistleblower you know they're freaked out about it because what this does is it shows clear intent malice aforethought and it takes away their liability protection you think they're freaked out oh yeah well if they can't dazzle you with their brilliance then they try to baffle you with their bs well guess what this is how this is how desperate they are so they float an answer that oh the federal government knew we were lying to them and they okayed it and gave us the money anyway so it must be all right that's their defense. Oh, Roger. Hey, hey, there's Captain Daryl. Hey, uh, hey, good morning. <clears throat> you you brought up a couple of names there. Uh, Ralph Winterrude, Angry, or uh, Al Whitney. Uh, I've, years ago, I spoke with them on their RB 
WBN shows. Uh, Al Whitney did a show with Angry Castle before uh, they did a, a oh a oh okay. Show well, I I know her. Yeah. And, and yeah, and so I thought you would uh, connect that. I just connect that dot for you. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I'd had many conversations with Al on her show on RBN. I mean, at least a half a dozen, and I kept trying to. She had very good information. She had very good research, and her information and research didn't start at the foundations. It it intersected it. It it entered the information. Her her perception and understanding of it entered at the uh, the municipal level, and she could never get her head around why. There was this presumption there. Uh, the point being, she didn't connect the birth certificate and uh, this uh, the equity aspects of this in commerce and this presumption. She didn't. She didn't start there. She didn't understand. She didn't comprehend that. And when you tried to explain it to her, she would become very defensive. Uh, and. So she had, she tried to ameliorate, she tried to abrogate these uh, contracts without understanding that. And, uh, and uh, I, I, you know, applaud her for all of her efforts and uh, take nothing away from that. Uh, <clears throat> so the, uh, the point being here, uh, and I, I'm not sure that I hear people actually completely foundationally comprehending the basis, the, the foundational basis of what you're doing. Uh, uh, because there's this, this uh, programming out there that your constitutional rights are unalienable and unalienable. They're inviolable. And that's absolutely correct. Well, I'm not sure in I agree with that. Common law. Oh, in common law, but in, not in under their law. law. If it was so, involuntary, if you couldn't get if you couldn't get rid yeah. of them, we wouldn't be able to file an affidavit and get over to the other side. See, that's that's so we're not disagreeing, but there's, we're, there's we're mincing. Yeah, we're mincing. Right. There's there's a why in the road. There's a why in the road. You you think you're you have something, but you're in this other thing. So then you are uh, not effective. You're irrelevant. You're in a you're in a feedback loop that always brings you back into the same spot. Yep. So this this there's this why in the road. There's this why in the road. You think you're on on road A when you're actually on road B, and so you don't have the remedies of road A. And they have the remedies of road B. So how do you, so the foundation, it's, it's the birth certificate. Everybody here has been through this educational process. Of, I'm not going to repeat it all. Okay. And then, so if you are on road A, which means that you, or this, uh, an, uh, this constitutional, common law, constitutional bill of rights, article, uh, you know, one through 10, how do you get over here in, on road B? Well, road B is uh, associated with the fraud of the birth certificate and the commerce. That's the, 
that's the foundation of it. That's that's where the the road went to the right. That's why they ask you while you're on your passport application. Why? Well, what was your mom and dad? Were were they feudal serfs? <laughs> that's what they're asking you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, mine were. Okay. So then, so how do you get all these other things attached to you? And you've been talking about the UCC a lot today. It's very important. You can, you can lose, abdicate, a lean, a lean, lean, a lean, your, your, the so-called bills of rights by contract. The contract stands above contract. Listen, contract stands above obligates you, aligns you above those those other those other things that you call your, your bills of rights. You have done it to yourself. Every time you sign a contract, you are walking a razor thin line of what am I doing here? Okay, and that's how they get you. That's why I keep picking on the driver's license. Every time you pick up your your link pen and you put your signature down are you leaning yourself that's how they do it because commerce commerce federalism contract will always stand above that you have the right to do that that's part of that contract clause okay but once you've done that have you preempted your other uh, this other form of law you do Am I am I beating a dead horse here, Roger? Because I don't think people quite grasp that they have done, they are participating in doing this to their own selves. I don't know that they all. <laughs> very few of us understand the voluntary aspect of this and how it applies. Well, this is why yeah, I, it's, I it's didn't very, engage until uh, I understood what Roger was saying. Um, you know, I was uh, highly into you know, more of patriot type thinking, but I didn't engage because I wasn't satisfied that it would really make any difference. And besides that, it was so complex that you could do one thing and then do something else to undo what you just did. Whereas by doing what Roger's saying, um, you, you put yourself into a different category completely where you don't have to worry about stumbling over yourself. I mean, without, you know, re-volunteering. It's interesting. Well, In the initial yeah. Michael Hertzog email, he was telling me about some listener that was trying to introduce something in California and change the laws and this, that, and the other. And then he says, well, I know this could never happen, LOL. And it got me to think. I said, well, you know, the way we alter this is we don't try and change their laws against that bureaucracy and corruption that's so entrenched. We change our laws as it relates to their laws. And that's what we're doing here. We're just taking ourselves out from under that authority of that corruption and putting it over someplace they can't touch. We don't have to change them. We can change ourselves. That's the only way this works. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, four years ago, I sent uh, everything that we, we knew at the time and what was going on to Michael Herzog. I did three, three shows with him, three or four. And so he, he, he was given the information four years ago. I personally uh, sent it to him and had conversations with him about it. So he, he has an awareness 
It's about that. Okay. He yeah, I thought that. I thought this. that was the guy. That okay. you, he's a he's a fellow flyboy, right? You guys are flyboys. Isn't that right? Hey, yeah. He, I th- I think he had a I think he had a private pilot's license and had some experience with, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, flying to some degree. But um, <clears throat> so the when when you when you contract, what are you, what are you doing? You're volunteering. Are you voluntarily contracting? If you're in a contract and it ain't voluntary, it's not a valid contract. Right. So this is why the birth certificate is is fraud. Because it's a unconscionable contract. But hold on, hold on. The, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read. Not, let, me, let me redirect your attention a little bit, Daryl. Yeah. The birth certificate is not where the fraud is. It's there, of course. But the birth certificate represents the fraud of being assigned the political status when you came out of mama's birth canal. The birth certificate represents that. It doesn't okay. cause that. So it's just a minor shift. But you 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 mentioned yeah. it a couple of times already. You got to go back to the foundations of this if you're going to understand on any of these issues what the hell you're talking about. So it's like property. You you don't uh, somebody. Uh, I, I think one of the callers said that he he had sold his property. Well, you you never owned any property, right? How could you sell it? You sold some. You sold the right unto the property, and the right that you had was the possession of it. Not the ownership of it. Here's the layers of fraud. These are more... We had a hypothecated bankruptcy in 33, which was done in the bond market. Now, I just recently, within the last number of months, learned or became aware of this. You, Because most of us, I think, thought that the stock market crash in 29 eventually caused the bankruptcy four years later. But that wasn't it. They were in there monkeying with the international bond market that caused the bankruptcy. Okay. So when that happened, they shift the system, and now they bring in the feudal system in the new system with the surety for a hypothecated debt. That's where the fraud is. The birth certificate and the system change, and you being born into a silent contract that virtually nobody understands, okay, that's where the bug is. And then because nobody understands what's gone on in the history, then they ask you the two questions and you agree, giving them agreement and consent to the fraud. That's what's going on. Okay. Um, that's really good. Uh, there's another way that this is uh, foisted upon you in a municipal court. Uh, when when this uh, the black robe bandit in front of you starts asking you questions about you. And what they're doing is they're they're validating their presumptions, and they can take silent judicial notice. Correct. Wait, what's the so what's the is, when they bring you to trial, Daryl? What's the presumption they're running on at that event? The presumption and their jurisdictional statement is in the first paragraph of any charge brought against any of us. And that says, Daryl Wayne, a resident of. It's right there in the first paragraph. Yes. And, and unless you've rebutted that, uh, they, they can take silent judicial notice of that because uh, you, you haven't rebutted that. 
Okay. Not can, only have you not rebutted on that, you've yeah. agreed to it to yeah. the extent that you're in the proceeding, and you went and hired an attorney to represent you in the proceeding, confirming oh, yes. the presumption. So, the the first presumption that they make confirming that they they have jurisdiction over you is the fact that they ordered you to appear and you did. Yeah, oh, well, the first presumption they've got is they ask you those questions your whole life, and you always answered yes, not knowing what they were asking you. Those, all those presumptions lead up to you being in that room. You got a serious. Well, we, we've got a birth certificate from him. We know where he's a surety for the debt. They've all every time we've ever asked him, he agreed to it. He broke these man-made laws. We sent him this notice of this indictment. It states in there that he's a resident, and they never objected to any of them. I guess we got jurisdiction, don't we? But they don't even have to go that far. Yeah. The fact oh, that they no, no. I'm just saying what's going on. I'm, I'm just saying what's going on behind the scenes. Okay, that none of us understand because we don't understand the foundation of it. Yeah, but the judge doesn't know some any silence. of that. Well, you, some judges may, some judges may not. I know John used to say when they were in some court proceeding in Denver one time back in the early days. And that the judge in the proceeding said to them, if the Patriots ever find out what's going on, there's going to be hell to pay. A judge said that. <laughs> well, that was, that was, that was telling. Uh, I, I don't think he, I don't, I, I don't think he had much to worry about because, no. uh, you know, this is not, not many people, not people want to hear objective truth uh fa fantasy and mythology is always much more fun and and emotionally satisfying than objective truth <clears throat> but um uh, this is you know uh so anyway this all I'm, all I'm trying to point out here is what have what have we done and sometimes continue to do in our personal behavior and choices in contracting. And uh, that's that's their hook. So that's, that's one of their big hooks. You, you can't get yourself back in trouble even after you've done this. Now, when you're dealing with the municipalities, if, if you have uh, in the court of record, or not the court of record, but the uh, county recorder and the office of property records, and you filed that there, uh, that might be right across the street or in the same building to where uh, they're trying to engage you in the presumption of a municipal contract. All right. And, and so you, you have that, uh, you have that power to rebut that. Uh, and uh, so this is, this is what you're doing when you're out traveling and, and they, they try to uh, arrest you for driving okay well you you have to be able to rebut that and because uh, they're all they're all operating on presumptions have, have you ever stopped and considered here's a great here's a great converse question for um, those uh, people that know uh, policy enforcers out there cops ask them how many how many hours they've spent studying law Pshy. none None. None. Zero. Zero. Bingo. Bingo. Buckus. They don't know the first thing about law. Okay? Not the first thing. 
and so you have okay do you hear me you people have more understanding comprehension and application of real law than this this uh, this guy in his costume and scareware and battle rattle okay you got you got way over you got a lot on them okay use that I'm going to tell you, you got more knowledge of law than a great majority percentage of the attorneys that are practicing in the United States today. They know procedure. They don't know law. Yeah, procedure. This is why treaty is is so powerful in federalism, because it allows them to contract. This is why contracting is so dangerous to the man and the woman – because it allows you to place yourself under the laws where those Bill of Rights won't protect you. Have you ever thought about it that way? Yeah. Because you can't have it both ways. Well, if I could, I'd like to share a few things quickly on under the, uh, the 12 presumptions of court. There's a few of them that apply here. Uh, the presumption of summons is that by custom, a summons unrebutted stands, and therefore who attends court is presumed to accept the position of defendant, juror, or witness, and the jurisdiction of the court. Attendance to court is usually an invitation by summons unless the summons is rejected and returned, with a copy of the rejection filed prior to choosing to visit or attend the jurisdiction and the position as the accused and the existence of guilt stands. Paul, I don't want to to miss the opportunity to say that our whole emphasis here is to do a preemptive strike where none of that crap applies to you. Absolutely. Hey. And that is why I'm saying yeah. there is no way that you can stand in a courtroom and win. you got to beat them before you get there. Uh, the Generally, the only way, I've said but, it before, the only way our Patriots win them these celebrated Patriot victories are when you're going in on regulations and they did something they shouldn't have done or they didn't do something they were supposed to. The vast majority of our wins are right there. They ain't on law. With one, I can uh, one exception comes to mind, which is Cheek versus U.S. And Cheek went in there on law and going in against their regulations, and that's what's termed the willfulness offense, because failure to file is a willful failure to file. And he went in Cheek, a retired airline pilot. You know this case, Daryl? Yeah. Okay, a retired airline pilot went in and said, I've studied this. They don't have a law. It wasn't willful. And they turned and decided against the IRS. It gave them a bunch of problems. Because then all the attorneys and patriots are carrying a willful package to their attorney. Go, we want to present this on the decision on the cheat case. So they've had to fight that for a number of years. So this, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about the confirmatory confirmatory writing uh what uh, you said the patriots used to call the 90-day letter well no the Uh, the 90-day letter is your when they get to a point in the irs procedure and they go well here's your option to go to tax court and if you don't do it in 90 days we're gonna go on either criminal or self-help you know civil or criminal but that's what that is is an invitation to tax court it's it's an offer to contract exactly 
Except, as I said, they reversed it. This is how slick these bastards are. They turn it around where you've got to bring the suit against the tax court, so now you've got the burden of proof. And even when you bring the burden of proof, like David had, with the group leader admitting to perjuring herself on the stand, they still rule against you. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you never let the truth get in the way of the facts here. Okay, so... So the popo issues you a, a driving, a driving violation. Okay, uh, don't don't argue with don't argue with this guy on the side of the road. Uh, just take it. You don't have to sign it. Just accept it. Go on your merry way, and and uh, re- return it to the court of clerk uh, uh, with a declining the offer to contract. <laughs> it's an offer to contract. All right. Uh, these are all offers to contract, and they they couch them in semantic word deceptions. Uh, I did a word search the other day. I I typed in semantic deceptions and semantic, not semitic, and then I typed in anti-semantic, semantic, and when I typed in anti-semantic, everything that came up was about Jews. <laughs> Uh, were you were you, were you aware uh, if you type in in your your favorite search engine type in semantic deceptions <clears throat> you will get just a wonderful list of books and and lawyers and there's a whole uh, study uh, of uh, I don't know what what do I call it? A whole curriculum on legal semantic deception for the purpose of winning arguments. It's a it's taught how to semantically deceive you. It's a it's a it's an approved course. You can take the course of semantic deception. Okay, and and uh, so uh, you know semantics is falls right in line with equivocation uh and, and uh but it's a it's a it's a whole study course uh, on on their part they they use semantics uh, and th- so uh, uh, this this is why i think it's uh it's important because all this a lot of this paper that they generate and they send you and you start getting all filthful about is offers to contract okay so uh, you remember, I, I remember him telling me the story about, I, I think it was King James that was at Runnymede in 1215 when the nobles got tired of him dealing with the Catholics and doing all the crap, and they cornered him there in the fields of Runnymede, and they said, you're going to sign this Magna Carta, or we're going to separate you from your head, and he signed it. Do you know that he? that's considered to be voluntary? Yes. Now, understand that those those uh, those barons <clears throat> that drew that drew the point of that argument to uh, <laughs> this the so called king, uh, they had uh, serfs under them. These 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 people these people were the they were pretty high and mighty themselves uh, and, 
And so there was a there was a caste system there. And it, it wasn't the common man. It wasn't the commoners no, that brought, it was brought the, him to heal. It was the elite. And why? Because he's over there expending all this money and borrowing all this money, and they're going to be responsible for paying it back. And it was after 1066 a, with William the Conqueror, you're two centuries later almost, and the feudal system's fully installed now in England. Yeah, that the, they brought the French feudal system in. Yeah. The European uh Normans, yeah, uh, which was which was different than than in England. But uh point Points, points, but these are all important foundational. Uh, I, I, I believe, of course, I love history, but uh, so I find it very interesting when I listen to a lot of people talk lately uh, that they keep using this term feudal system. Uh, people that never, you never heard them use it before, are now using. The term feudal system. I find. Yeah, have you noticed that? I found well, it very I've been, interesting. I've been seeing them use neo feudal for years, and different people alluding to it. And I'm going, hell, you're in the feudal system, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is feudal. Is feudal. And and uh, you know, it, you don't have to go back and do an in depth study, but if you don't understand the feudal system and how it operated and where our out is, because it has to be voluntary servitude, well, you hadn't done your damn homework. Quite frankly, very important information. Do what, Paul? Calling the feudal system neo feudal and saying that it isn't the feudal system because it's neo feudal is like saying a milk chocolate cake is not a chocolate cake. Well, here, here's here's another one that's got me over many years. You've heard many people. You were in financial servitude. We're in financial slavery. No, you're in real slavery. Yeah, I do have a quick question. Yeah, um, and and it's not necessarily relating to to what you guys are talking about, but it's something that I wanted to uh, to bring up yesterday <laughs> and ran out of time. And I'm hoping that it, the same thing didn't happen today. Well, you um, got about looking, ten minutes, Paul. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the DS11 passport application, and they are asking for information on this application that I just don't have. I don't have my mother or father's place of birth. Um, I, uh, I can, I can find out their, their exact birth dates. I know their names. I know my father had a name change when he, uh, became naturalized. Um, okay, my, yeah. my father's original name was Siegfried Herbert Farker Walker Beaner, I believe. And he changed it to Fred. Um, now now let me inject something from earlier in the program this is a perfect example paul where you want to put an explanatory statement in your application yeah well because i'm i'm estranged from my sister she's the only one that would like even have a snowball's chance of knowing some of this information so i'm going to have to attach an explanatory statement i mean okay this is this these were their names uh, this was their known citizenship. They were born in Canada, um, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. Um, they met in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, they kind of met in the middle. 
but there's a, there's just a lot of questions on this application that I don't know the answers to. Well, again, that's a perfect place for an explanatory statement. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to have to do that. Yep. All they can say is no. All they probably really care about is where they a citizen or not, you know, where they part of the system. Well, 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 mother, well they weren't, but that Canadian. doesn't mean Paul isn't, see? Now, this, this, this is real, because obviously you were born in Minnesota, right, Paul? Of Canadian yeah, parents. Okay, this is, a, birth, this is a, 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 a birthright citizenship issue. And the thing is, is what we know from what Paul has told us, he's not considered to be a natural-born American because his parents were, weren't both born in America. How's that going to come into play? Why hadn't anybody mentioned that in all this time against Kamala Harris? She's not a natural-born citizen. She's not qualified to be in the position she's in, much less the position she might be in. Well, I was born in the United States. It doesn't matter. You're a Canadian mother and a naturalized U.S. citizen father. Okay, well, you're still not a natural-born citizen. They have to both be born in the U.S. And the reason for that, Kamala Harris is a perfect example. Her mother was Indian. Her father was Jamaican. She can go to Jamaica and run for Congress down there, their parliament, or their presidency right now, and yet she's one step away from our presidency. That's dual loyalties. That's the reason that's in there. Mm -hmm. Originally, in the founding fathers put in the Constitution, they don't want somebody with foreign ties being the run in our country. Does that make sense? Absolutely perfectly. Yep, it does. But have you have you heard in the last year and a half anybody bring up outside of a few patriots I've heard mention it? Kamala Harris is not qualified to be in the condition and the position she's in now. Roger, uh, yes, it's Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Okay, that was that was brought up several times. Um, just as she um, got into the office, and then as quickly as it, it was raised, it was quashed. Oh, of course, okay? they don't want that and up there. Paul, I don't mean to step on you, but right. I, I wanted to just because I know we're uh, minutes away. Um, you mentioned about the courthouse, the um, federal courthouse in Georgia. Um, the courthouse in Denver, I knew was um, a, a post office. I mean, it's majestic. Well, as we're going on throughout this um, the, the program, I just did a little digging, and there are a number of federal um, district courthouses that are in old post, um, office post offices. Uh-huh. I okay, didn't that were around the nineteen. 19- I yeah. didn't. I they didn't know that. The, I, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second, Charlie. Hold your thought. Sure, I didn't sure. know that was that situation until one day Harvey was on here and mentioned it he's been a Atlantean his whole life and he knew it and i didn't but it's a really neat building if you ever get over there yeah i'll just finish up with this i mean most of those buildings were built around 1991 and 1992 okay so in 1974 it was the national um uh registry or register right. sorry excuse me right um that actually turned it into a historic building and that's when most of these courthouses um went into those old um abandoned majestic buildings but what really um and maybe i'm going off on uh, into a trail here um i i think about the post office in dc the usps and it's on lay and font plaza and it goes back to the contract that we we're talking about. I, I, I know we don't have that much time, but it goes back to the infant, where the infant can go into contract. 
Well, the the way they the way that they've done this, of course, is because of that unique contract from the feudal system that travels generationally, that still gives you the remedy generations later, and. I mean, how nobody in our movement knows there's a silent contract you can get into, okay? That's why nobody understands this. They don't. They know it's contract, but they don't understand the contract they're in because they don't understand the origin of it. My, is what I've conclusion well, I've come to, Charlie. Yeah, and what you know again, uh, a very happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> you know how I feel about the birthday. Sorry yeah, about it. Yes, I um, do. Okay, but um, it it just does go back to that birthday, and the more that I had seen that infant popping up, especially in UCC, that an infant could enter into a contract and it popping up into their procedures. Well, and, and um, let, let, let's put this a different way. An infant can be entered into a contract. It can't contract. I'll have to go back to the verbiage. I'll stand corrected until then. Okay. I mean, they can't contract till they're 18. That's what 18 and, and guardianship and everything's all about. Okay. But if your parents were in the contract and it was this one that follows generationally, you're in it. Why? How can they do that? How? What makes that legitimate but the fact that at any point you can still volunteer out? That's what gives the legitimacy to that. Roger, who is the one that determined 18 as the age of accountability? I, I, I'm, sure it's just custom and, I'm sure it's custom and usage. I don't know the answer to that. Well, and until we figure out who actually determined that 18 was the age of accountability, the age of accountability could be anything the, the moment they drew their first breath. No, they can't. I, I, I would be interesting for somebody to do the research on that. I'm sure it's time out of mind on that one to some extent. Well, that's, that's why I'm Hello. asking the question when I know Charlie's listening. Because <laughs> she's sure. a bulldog. <laughs> hey, Roger. Yes. Oh, who's that? Excuse me. Oh, now all of you want to talk in the last three minutes. Unbelievable. Especially at 21. Do what, Surrey? Scripturally, the age of accountability is 21. Okay, well, there you go. They lowered it. Now let's go to Merka. Merka, what you got? Hey, um, I know you answered this before, but I need to. I want to send a notice to either the school district or I don't know who it would be that I would send a notice to, to put them on notice about the affidavit that I made for my daughter as a national. I, I guess the school board or whoever the chairman of the school board is might be the person. Okay. I want to make sure they know, too. Yep, okay. If you got children, it's not a bad idea. Okay, so what else here in the last couple of seconds we got before we turn it over to Mr. James? What's going on? Anybody got some questions, comments? Hey, Roger. I'll yes, make one, one last comment that uh, attorneys, when they sign their uh, bar agreement, uh, put other attorneys above uh, clientele. So they have their special little club, so no matter what the cases might involve, the attorneys... Uh, 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 responsibilities to is to other attorneys first and all and i yield and not only to other attorneys it's to the court you're an off yeah. you're an officer of the court as a licensed attorney yeah it's called a private bar guild 
and and it's presumed that any case that's heard in court, unless it's specifically a court of record, that is a court that is tried in the private bar guild. Okay, whatever. Our object is not being there. Who was was that? Who was trying to say something there with Paul? Chuck? Chuck. Hey, Chuck. The uh, you said earlier. I'm listening to you on Eurofolk on a delay, and uh, you said earlier. You attributed the Magna Carta to King James, but it's well, King I'm I, I, okay, King John. Okay, big mistake. King John instead of King James. Okay, whatever. It was twelve fifteen. Twelve fifteen on the fields of Runny Mead is the important part there. Yeah. And I, I thought, and I asked Brent this one time. I think the guy that they did that with was Longshanks. No, I don't think so. Long, okay. Long no. was no. with King, King Richard's era. Okay. Well, and get the details mixed up in this historical stuff. There's our whistler. I hear it in the background. People in the audience do. You guys can't. That means we're right at the tail end of today's discussion. Uh, good, good discussion today. Thank you for everybody that contributed. We covered some pretty good ground. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Mr. Winters. I guess today's Thursday. And uh, so thanks a lot for everything. I hope you got something out of today's broadcast. And, you know, we, we just keep doing what we're doing. And uh, our enemies are concerned about it somewhere deep down in the bowels of the new world order so we'll see as we get more steam and uh, be back tomorrow with brent and i think you're about to embark on a jim ram couple hours here jimbo you there buddy yes i am sir yep there you are okay so uh we'll see you tomorrow and uh yes sir why we're all here right pardon me we're all here why we're all here because we ain't all there well there you go (laughs) <laughs> that some people certainly accuse us of that, don't they, Jim? <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> and and I, who? I stand, on, I, I stand on my authority of being left-handed because only left-handers are in their right mind. Okay, Amen. well there you go. Well, there's something interesting <laughs> to ponder on till tomorrow. Um, we'll get cut off the server here in a second. Thank you for everybody's contribution and your listening and your attention and we're very honored that you take two hours out of your day to listen to this in whatever format you engage in that and uh i promise you we'll be here just long as the good lord is willing and wants us to portray the message we're right here doing it we just got cut off the server jimbo it's all yours thank you sir